up, everybody? I hope you're doing well. Today is Tuesday, October 6th. This is Rafael Garcia here by myself for episode 180 of the MMA Ratings Podcast. My partner, Shawan, is probably out chasing after his daughters or tied up somewhere in the basement because he pissed off one of the wrong parents' kids. You never know with this guy. He's a great coach. He's a strict coach. Either way, he will be back next week, as I'm sure we will have plenty to talk about once we get back together. But the show must go on, as it always does. And for episode 180, we're going to be talking about UFC on ESPN 16, UFC Fight Night 179, and a couple of other news stories that we have to cover. Before we do that, though, as always, let me thank you for taking the time to listen to this show. You can find us, first and foremost, on our flagship at MMARatings.net. Hit us up on Instagram and Twitter, MMARatingsNet. You can catch us on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple iTunes, and Breaker. And you can check us out on YouTube, MMARatings. I am R. Garcia underscore sports at both Instagram and Twitter. And, yeah, you can catch me saying all types of nonsense, but I usually stick mainly to sports and politics and professional wrestling and other bullshit, but whatever. Hop in there, follow me, give me a like, give me a shout-out. I appreciate everybody that takes the time to do so. I hope you are also watching this game four between the Heat and Lakers. I feel like this is going to be a great series. The... Lakers cannot let this go 2-2. They are currently down 33, I think 29 right now. But let's see what happens because basketball, you know, I should always kind of falls apart at the end. You got Andre Iguodala looking like an old man out there. But anyway, let's talk about some MMA, folks. And this weekend, we saw a evolution of, of sorts. Evolution, maybe. Holly Holm defeating Irene Aldana across five rounds, winning a unanimous decision. And it was pretty one-sided. There were never any questions there. I actually just wrote about this earlier this evening and wrote about the idea of her development as a fighter. And I think all of this is really summed up in her post-fight quote, where she said she came here to be a complete mixed martial artist, but not one who is a boxer just competing in MMA. And she's showing that because her performance on Saturday really stepped outside the box. She had 154 significant strikes. This is the first time she's had more than 50 since 2017 where she fought uh, Jermaine Durandamy, who also had a great performance on Saturday. But not only that, but she had five takedowns, just the second fight in the UFC that she had a takedown. She had 14 attempts, and she passed... Aldania's guard seven times. That's a different Holly Holm. And I think it's important to recognize that because at 39 years old, she's still continuing to evolve, which is important if she's going to offer her future opponents something different. And I think it's important to, to note that because to see a fighter continue to evolve, develop, add skills to their game, I believe that is an important part of mixed martial arts and it's something that's exceptional about this sport because we can't 
expect everyone to be great at grappling, great at striking, great at wrestling, et cetera, et cetera, and have fantastic cardio. But to see Holly Holm at this stage in her career continue to develop and get better, I really appreciate that. When you think about someone who has, let me see, she has 19 professional fights. She's 14 and 5, yeah, 14 and 5. And with so many fights within the UFC, so many extended fights within the UFC, there's so much film out there on her. So it's important for her to change her game to show her opponents that there's other ways that she can win to switch things up. Does this make her a number one contender? Probably not. I think it depends on what Amanda Nunez is going to do. Uh, congratulations out to her because she and Nina Ansaroff just welcomed their baby girl into the world. I think that was last week. This doesn't make home an immediate contender to either one of Nunez's titles, but if we find ourselves in a situation where there is a need for an interim champion, I could see home slid into that position. Home and Jermaine Durrani, who put Juliana Pena to sleep on Saturday, are in a position where they can say, hey, Hey, let's let's uh, let's get these two ladies together to have a rematch from that 20, 2017 bout, and let's get these two back in, into the cage. That would be an interesting fight. I, I would watch and I would appreciate that. But I am I'm pleased with what I saw with Holly Holm. I know a lot of people don't uh, appreciate her, don't really cheer her on. Don't, they think she's she's too and, and she's considered to be in the title picture a little bit too much. And I get that. I understand, but. I am. She's one of the good ones from the sport, from what I see and what I hear. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad she's sticking around, finding ways to continue to get wins. And as I mentioned about GDR, she had a strong performance as well. Like I mentioned, she put Juliana Pena to sleep, and this was very interesting because I saw one question about Pena that jumped out to me that I don't think anyone's asked or answered at this point in time. We're going to talk about GDR in a second, but it's whether or not the game has passed her by. When she came off a tough, she was expected to be a big, big prospect. I mean, think about this. She's been in the UFC since November of 2013, seven years at this time, and she has she has seven fights. That's one fight Per year, she fought once in 2013, twice in 2015, 2016, 2017, 2019, and in 2020. She had that horrific knee injury where all of the ligaments in her knee were torn up by a ridiculous training partner. Then she had a child, which took her out for another year, and she comes back and she gets subbed here at a time where the bantamweight division is looking for new contenders. So yeah, the question, man, this is this is a it's a question of wondering what's next for her. She's I don't know how old she is. I'm not exactly sure how old she is, but I wonder what's next for her in this game because she hasn't developed in a way that has allowed her to become a true threat in this sport. Um, I mean, hell, man, she fought Juliana uh, or Valentina Shevchenko and got submitted. And it's, it's just, it's interesting. 
that Pena, who was supposed to be a grappler, expected to be a grappler, hasn't been able to really evolve. As we were just talking about with Holly Holm, she hasn't evolved in any way that makes you wonder or makes you uh, believe she's going to have a sustained run in uh, MMA at, at, at this level. And I wonder what's next for her. But GDR, I mean, GDR looks good. She, You forget how good she is. The Iron Lady is a fucking threat. She's only lost to Amanda Nunez in the UFC. That's it. And she gave her a tough run for the money when they fought back in uh, 2019 last year. I really do believe if Amanda Nunez is not around, she's she's the champion. And there isn't really anyone in either 145 or 135 to really counter that. I wonder if the situation that she put herself in when Nunez was a champion the first time around, or excuse me, not when Nunez was a champion, when she won the, the title the first time around, refused to fight Cyborg. I wonder if that's done enough to hurt her standing in the UFC and whether or not they will put her back in a position to become an interim champion. Maybe we'll see what it looks like, but it would be interesting to see if they put her back out, if they allow her to fight for a title at 135 and maybe give Shevchenko another shot if she can hold on to her title for a little while longer. But really this all hinges on the Lioness and what she decides to do. But right now she's she's really is the Lioness now. And let's see what her and Ansarov decide to do with their family. What else stood out to this card? What stood out on this card to me? I mean, nothing else much beyond that. I hate heavyweight MMA. I will say that from now until the end of time. Carlos Kanye picked up a win, but he didn't really look like the Carlos Kanye of old. He looked old, which he is, and I understand that. I'm not sure what's next for him, but maybe he should get some type of old man circuit. Which should be in it. Well, I'm not gonna say what should be in MMA, but they should definitely have like a fight with him and Matt Brown. Okay, I'm game for that. Sign me up uh, for that. But outside of that, nothing else really stood out on this card to me. Uh, nothing of note to go back and watch and get excited about. So we're going to move on to item number two, which is. The fights this weekend, UFC Fight Night 179. I did not, I think Bellator has a card as well, but I didn't take the time to check as I was working on the agenda for tonight's show. So yes, they do have a card this weekend. MVP is fighting another bum. Let me look at that real quick. Um, I'm, I might hit that real quick. There's nothing really talk about there. You got Chet Congo still doing his thing. Michael Page still ducking real fighters. Uh, yeah, nothing else really stands out on this card to me. Melvin Manhoff is there, you know, but who, who knows? Whatever. This Saturday though, the UFC, there's an important bantamweight fight. And I wonder what the outcome of this fight means for one, Al Jermaine Sterling. And the reason why I say that is because we have Corey Sanhagen and Marlon Morales Morash, Morace, whatever, fighting uh, and in a five-round bantamweight fight, and this is an important fight because you have two guys who are highly ranked at 135. You have Marlon who's sitting at number one, Sanhagen who's sitting at number four. 
Aljamain Sterling was tabbed as the next contender for the title. But Dana White now, but as he usually does, he does not stick to those types of situations. Sterling actually tweeted out today about the Peter Young fight because TJ Dillashaw fell out of that. And Peter Young through quotes, he tweeted him and said, you should be concerned because he's hearing that there's something else in, in the works. If the UFC decides to screw over Aljamain Sterling, I don't know what to do. Like, there's so many issues with that that I can't it, – it, it, does, it, it doesn't sit well with me. If I was his corner, if I was his side, if I was his management, I would be really concerned about this. Aljamain Sterling has done everything right. He's won all the fights that he's been asked to win. He wins them in emphatic that fashion, and he promotes himself across the space. Why is the UFC hesitant to put him in a title title picture situation? Why do they want to throw Cheetah Dillashaw ahead of him, Corey Garbrandt ahead of him? Are they looking at the winner of this uh, Sanhagen Marlin fight to put that ahead of him? It's just so many different questions that I have that raise an alarm for me, which actually ties into a question we got for about um, actually the next topic about Leon Edwards. It ties into that situation to me, and I'll explain when we get there. But I would be concerned if I am Aljamain Sterling. It's, it's really... It's really a problematic situation if you uh, if you are a fighter and you feel like you've earned a slot. You've basically been told you've earned a slot, and they look for reasons to overlook you. They look for reasons to um, have someone jump over you. That's just problematic because a win at that point doesn't mean anything, and he should have done more than enough to earn a slot at that earn earn a shot and earn a slot as the number one contender. But back to Saturday's fight where we have two individuals who are very interesting fighters. Marlon, again, I'm still surprised he lost to Henry Cejudo, losing to him the way he did. It was just unfortunate. He had he got out to a great start, and then all of a sudden he couldn't keep up the pace, which hurt, hindered him from getting that much-needed victory, getting that, that title, and now he's fighting in a very difficult fight. I guess a very game opponent in Corey Sanhagen. At first glance, I'm not sure what the betting lines are for this card. I'm not going to dive deeply into that. However, comma, I wouldn't be surprised if Sanhagen is the quote-unquote favorite with the way he has been performing as of late. And Marlon's, the way Marlon lost that fight to Henry Cejudo really stands out to me. Because like I mentioned, he was he was in a very strong uh, position there, and the way he he kind of fell off at at the end just didn't do that didn't didn't look so well for me. And there's still people who think that he lost to Jose Aldo as well this past December. So this is a very interesting fight to me. I am looking at San uh, Sandhagen to get the victory. I'm a Marlon Morales fan, but I think that the height is going to be an issue for him, the height and the and the length uh, that Sanhagen has to offer. 
but this is going to be a great main event. It's going to be a good five rounds worth of, of action. And I am pretty intrigued to see how this breaks down. But my big thing I'm watching for is the impact that this plays on Aljamain Sterling. So beyond that, what else on this card stands out to me? So looking at the card really quickly, we got Ben Rothwell, Tom Breeze, who's a big name when it comes to the competitive grappling space. He's back out there as well. Nothing else really stands out to me. Tracy Cortez. Tracy Cortez is someone who I am interested in as a fighter, just kind of watching her grow in, in this space. I think she is one they are going to build up nice and slowly, kind of like Bellator is doing with uh, Valerie Lareda. And I can't blame her for that because if she continues, she has a good story behind her. She has a good look. And she has uh, the she has the building blocks of the skills of, of being someone special in this division. And they always need more people at 125. So let's see how she performs and how she looks against uh, Stephanie Edgar, who's 5-1. and one. Other than that, there isn't really anything that jumps out to me. If Shawan was here, I'm sure he would have a bunch of other things to say about this card, but he's not. So we're going to move on. And we're going to talk about and a developing situation that's kind of popping all across social media this week. Uh, I think it started yesterday. I sounded off on the Leon Edwards situation. And I want to talk a little bit more about that here. So Leon Edwards has not fought since July of 2019. Uh, let me look at his record. Let me see the last person he fought because I'm actually not sure. Let me pull that up really quickly. But what occurred is that he's on social media, or he actually did an interview with Damon Martin about what's next for him. And he wants a shot at, at, at the title. He's currently ranked number four in the UFC welterweight, welterweight rankings behind Colby Covington, Gilbert Burns, and no, he's ranked number three, excuse me, behind Kobe Covington, Gilbert Burns, and above Jorge Masvidal and Steven Thompson. So he talked about in this uh, piece with Damon Martin that he's waiting on either a fight with Gilbert Burns to determine the number one contender, or he wants to shot at, at, at the belt. Now, Kamar Usman and Gilbert Burns were scheduled to fight later on this year. That fight has now fallen apart. And Edward said he wants in for that fight. There hasn't been any um, conversation about that actually occurring. What came up was Stephen Thompson calling out Edward saying that he wants to fight Leon Edwards. Now, Stephen Thompson is sitting at number five. Okay. You also have Kazimat Chimeoff who's out there talking his talk, but he is not ranked in the top 15. So we're not even really going to address Chimeoff. Let's kind of forget him. You have a situation now where you have Edwards who has not fought in over a year saying that he wants to fight someone and Gil Kobe Covington doesn't want to fight him. Gilbert Burns said he doesn't want to fight anybody because he he's a number one contender. And Jorge Masvidal doesn't want to fight Leon Edwards as well. He's playing up that you're not a name thing. That's bullshit to me because A, there's no consistent way to measure who moves the needle or who does not because UFC doesn't release pay-per-view numbers anymore now that they're on the ESPN Plus platform. 
Burns, okay, if he wants to sit and wait for a title shot, okay. You know, I get it. He had that title shot locked up. Coronavirus pulled him out of that fight. So if he wants to wait, let him wait. Kobe Covington and Jorge Masvidal, yes, they have some storyline that would make it a good fight there. They have they have that storyline. Edwards and Masvidal has one that's just as just as big. Like they literally fought backstage, and there's video content of that. They literally fought backstage. You mean to tell me that the UFC can take Conor McGregor throwing a dolly into a bus? They can use that and promote a fight around that, but they can't promote two fighters getting into an actual fight backstage to use that to build up interest in, an, in a Masvidal Edwards fight. In my opinion, when I look at this, it almost seems like Edwards is a tough, he's a tough, he's a John Fitch situation where he is an individual who can beat Kobe Covington, Gilbert Burns, or Jorge Masvidal. And it immediately diminishes their stature. Kamar Usman already has a win over Leon Edwards, but it wasn't pretty. So now the UFC doesn't want to rebook that fight because it's not going to be something that they want to promote. They, they're just not like you can talk about so and so not being a draw. You can you can talk about so and so not moving the needle and being boring. Part of that is the UFC's inability and unwillingness to promote these two men like they do others. That that's a big part of it that I don't think enough, enough people are already talking about. And I think uh, I wish more people were talking about that. I want to see Leon Edwards fight. He has to fight someone. I think they need to put him into that fight with Gilbert Burns. They wouldn't do this for anybody else. Look at what, look at what and this is why I mentioned the Aljamain Sterling situation. They are going to fuck Aljamain Sterling in the ass because they are going to jump, leap over him, and he's he's winning, putting together wins, and he's doing it in a way that he should not be denied a title shot but yet they're going they're going to deny him a, a title shot you see it coming we can all see it coming from a mile away they're going to deny him the shot so looking at that if i was leon edwards why would i take another shot fight let's say he does let's say he beats the brakes off of stephen thompson and then what do you think he's guaranteed a title shot absolutely not because then the narrative becomes oh thompson was just ranked number five he he, he he's not someone worth moving Edwards up in order to get a, a shot at, at, at the belt. Kobe, Kobe Covington just had a shot at the title. Jorge Masvidal just had a shot at the title. Okay, Gilbert Burns, you earned that with your victory over Tyron Woodley. Now, he should get his shot, but that fight just fell apart. Okay, number one contenders fight, Leon Edwards, Gilbert Burns. Let's go in December winner fights Kamaru Usman. And I don't want to hear shit about Kamaru Usman not defending his title enough. He just fought during the COVID era. He just fought like two months ago. So like, let's not, let's not, not do this because your, your bigotry and your moving the goalposts, they're really showing through when you, when you, when you try to pull that, that shit. So my last statement will be, I stand with Leon Edwards in this matter and it's not going to work because he doesn't have any, le any any leverage. It's not going to work. But I would love to see him get a fight that he found worthy that would put him in a short-fired uh, UFC welterweight title shot.
I really wish Juan was here to talk with me about that because I know he and I will be going back and forth arguing about that right now. Let's flip over to some questions that we have and just some news bits from this week. The first one will be rather quick. PFO champions Lance Palmer and Kayla Harrison have sued the PFL for uh, breach of contract. They haven't had any fights over the past year, and they've also um, they're suing for past uh, for missed wages as well. I think this is nothing more than a ploy to become a, a, a free agent. Can't really blame them. Uh, let's kind of see what happens with that. Like, Kyla Harrison has not fought since December of last year. And Lance Palmer. Lance Palmer last fought in December of last year, too. Now, I believe they're both repped by Ali Abdelaziz, and I wonder if there's some, you know, something there as well. But I think this is nothing more than a ploy to become free agents and to find a way out of their contracts and potentially into the the UFC. Not mad at them for it, but... Let's see what kind of happens from there. I'm, I'm not really mad at, at these guys for looking to do what they can to get the most money out of their career. So, you know, that, that is what it is. Um, let's see. Mike Perry and Darren Till. Mike Perry is always good for some comedy and some shaking your head situations. So he sent out a tweet about willing, basically selling his corner spot for his upcoming fight against Robbie Lawler and a much and a big um, and a big group excuse me a large group of, of people are volunteering to pay for that supposedly Cam Soda offered up $10,000 to have one of their girls one of their Cam Soda models be Perry's corner. Darren Till offered up five thousand dollars. Supposedly NFL players are offering up money. Darren Till may be on to something. Darren Till may be on to something. And I wonder if the UFCs are on look at this and be like, no, 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 no. You can't play this game. But supposedly he and Till are going back and forth and is there some animosity there? Which I want to see because if these two guys, if, imagine a situation where Darren Till is cornering Mike Perry during the fight against a former champion, Robbie Lawler. They get into it during during the situation and they're damn near fighting while Perry has to go back out there and get back to scrapping. It's so hilarious to me that I almost have to see it. But this situation is funny as all hell. And I wonder if Mike Perry is really onto something in a way to make some side hustle money because he clearly doesn't intend on bringing in a, in a legit corner. He's going to have his fiance, the mother of his child there, and he's not going to have anyone else. So if he does find a way to get someone to pay him to allow him to be in his corner, he might be on to something. He, this might be the new form of MMA sponsorship uh, that the UFC had not thought of. I think it's going to be it's worth watching. I doubt it's going to happen. I expect the UFC to, to quash this, quash this. But it's still funny. Mike Perry is good for a laugh 
this time. What I don't find so funny is this situation between Israel Adesanya and John Jones. They're having this social media battle, which <sighs> I think is just full. I think they're both, I don't want to say they're both full of shit, but this is the stuff about MMA that I am not a fan of because we know these two guys are not going to fight anytime soon. John Jones is going up to heavyweight, supposedly. Israel Adesanya has another big fight lined up for himself at 185 if Jerry Kennanier wins. So you have to wonder, what is the point of this? Yes, it is, an, it is a back and forth that is some people are laughing at. I'm just not one of the ones that are laughing at it because I think it's stupid. That's just my opinion. I wish they would both shut up, but it, it's giving people comedy. It's giving people stuff to talk about. It's giving people headlines to write about. So I guess it is what it is. I'm, I'm just not one that's here for that type of chicanery in MMA anymore. It's just not me. I'm over the stupid trash talk, talking about people's moms, talking about people's other transgressions. I'm stupid of the, of the bullshit with Kobe Covington and Conor McGregor, their type of trash talk. I'm just not here for it. I'm, I'm not. Shut the fuck up and, and fight to me. That's all I want to see. For, and, and I get for some people that's needed to promote fights, but there's a line, and I, and I just think that, I just think we're close to, what's the word, close to um, crossing that line. And it's just, it's not enjoyable to me. Let's see what happens. Um, let's see what happens. I don't think that, I don't think anything's going to come of this. But it's just another talking point that people are going to be writing articles about and talking about on podcasts for the next few weeks. But yeah, that's all I really wanted to talk about today. It's a quick show. We got one half of the team, and we go about half an hour because that's about the weight that I cover on these podcasts. You know, y'all know that Schwan is the heavy talker, which is why we work so well together. As always, thank you all for taking taking the time and taking a minute to listen to the MMA Ratings Podcast. My name is Rafael Garcia. This is episode 180. You can catch us on our flagship at MMARatings.net. Instagram and Twitter, you can catch us at MMARatings.net in both spaces. Hop over to YouTube, subscribe to our channel there. We've hit our subscription goal for this year. So you can check us out at MMARatings there and check us out on Anchor, Spotify, Apple, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Breaker as well. Me, as I said earlier, Garcia underscore sports on both Instagram and Twitter. Give me a follow. If you do not wear your mask and you do not believe in Black Lives Matter, I'm probably going to offend you rather soon. But hey, I don't give a fuck. Either way, have a great week, everyone. Enjoy your night. Adios.